0: This is Beth Butler, and thank you for listening to From the Ground Up, where we chat with people in and around the real estate industry. I have been in the real estate business for 35 years, and much of my experience has been about building the business from the ground up. And I'm pleased to share some of the people who I've met along the way and who have helped me build in this podcast. Thank you and welcome to this edition of From the Ground Up podcast. Today, we have a wonderful panel of distinguished brokers from South Florida. It's our first panel discussion. I'm pleased and honored to have all three of these well-respected brokers on our podcast today. I'm going to start with introductions and with Maggie Buck. I'm going to add a little personal commentary to each of my uh introductions because i've known these ladies for a very long time and consider them friends as well as colleagues uh maggie buck brings more than 25 years of high-end real estate experience to her managing broker position i first met maggie when she had her own company and ran her own small boutique brokerage in the south end of town and she was selling her uncle's property and i was representing my Brother as the buyer, and we became fast friends over a family transaction. After she, she uh, decided to move on from her brokerage, she was one of the first people that I considered uh, to fill a managing broker position at EWM. She was there for a large number of years, and in fact, was a managing broker for Dade County for some period of that time. She currently works as the managing broker and office manager at the Coral Gables office for Douglas Element. Here's a little bit more about Maggie. Maggie is a tenacious and dedicated professional. Her efforts recruiting top-notch associates, support and supervisory techniques and ability to guide staff through their day-to-day business allows the team to do what they do best list and sell properties while delivering exceptional service. Maggie creates, implements, and collaborates on plans that foster business development, sustained growth, creative and cutting-edge marketing, and skillful negotiation with her associates. Deeply connected to the South Florida community and active in her industry, Maggie is a current member of the Council of of Real Estate Brokerage Managers. She serves as chairperson of the Professional Standards Committee at the Miami Association of Realtors. She's a member of the Florida Realtors Broker Engagement Committee, an active member of the Master Brokers Forum, and is a certified Florida Supreme Court mediator. Maggie, welcome to From the Ground Up.
1: Thank you, Beth. It's been a pleasure. It's a it's a pleasure to be here. And I appreciate that you've included me in this panel. And, you know, Odie and Mercy are wonderful as well. So thanks so much for inviting me.
0: Next, I'd like to introduce Mercedes Sawitz. Mercy is born and raised in Coconut Grove. She is the founder of her own brokerage, M Group Realty. I met her shortly thereafter when Esslinger Wooten Maxwell purchased her company in 2009. She joined One Sotheby's as a top sales agent in 2011, and in 2015, she made the transition to Compass as one of the company's founding agents in Florida. In 2017, over a fateful dinner, I convinced her that she needed to join the dark side as managing broker in in Coconut Grove. She now serves as principal broker for Compass in Florida. She was educated at Ransom Everglades and then went to the University of Miami, graduated in 1996. During her college career, Mercy became fluent in Spanish. And even though her name is Mercedes, she's named after the car, just so people know where the Mercedes came from. She's the daughter of local businessman and real estate mogul, Max Sawitz, who got Mercy into the real estate business to begin with after she was a manager, and ran the Opium Group for five years before getting into real estate. She initially did commercial and worked her way into residential, and she likes being a manager now. She is committed to delivering superior service and facilitating each real estate transaction and is dedicated to driving her agents with the transactional process and overall growth of their business. Please welcome Mercedes Saywitz.
2: Well, thank you, Beth. That was beautiful. And uh, I am honored to be on the panel with Odie and
0: Maggie as well. Thank you for having me. And last but certainly not least is Odie Sierra. I first met Odie back in 1996 when we took our Brokers Continuing Education class together. It was a class of four people. We got to know each other fairly well. She then opened, she was at with Pratt's & Associates back in the day, for those of you that remember that wonderful brokerage, Coral Gables Boutique Brokerage Company, and she opened her own brokerage shortly thereafter. She currently serves as a managing broker of the Coral Gables office of Berkshire Hathaway Home Services Florida Realty. Here's a little bit more about Odie. She embarked in the electrifying world of real estate over three decades ago even though she's only 22. She is armed with the ability to establish strong and meaningful relationships, and it has a passion to coach and motivate, it, motivate individuals. A trifecta of knowledge, mortgage processing, title closer, and real estate brokerage, Odie's office has grown exponentially. She describes her thing as cash. I love this. It's an acronym that represents coaching high-performance attitudes, highly effective skills, and dynamic habits a.k.a. Cash. She's married with three children and committed to these three words. You are the architect of your own destiny. She served at the board of directors for the Florida Realtors for 13 years and has joined a a handful of noteworthy committees since that time, you'll find her these days at her office coaching up to 100 plus sales professionals to reach their own objectives with more dynamic habits, confident attitude, while mastering all the skills of the forever agent. Welcome, Odie Sierra.
3: Thank you, Beth. It was really an honor to to receive your invitation, and I am delighted to be part of this panel with uh, such great leaders
0: um, before we jump into the questions, I just wanted to point out, as I was reading both Mercedes and Odie's biographies, it occurred to me that they have an old common ground. They both worked with Carlos Justo back in the day. So I was uh, talking to somebody else that's mentored a lot of great real estate agents. And it's always interesting to me when I look back how these crossovers come back to so many great people were developed by real superstars in the industry from the old days so i just thought i'd share that commonality between the two of you
3: oh that's awesome
0: okay let's start with mercy and everybody will answer just for the everyone that's listening out there each panelist will get a chance to answer each one of these questions so we'll start with mercy what has been the biggest challenge of quarantine for you so far
2: Dealing with my husband. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) um, I think, honestly, the biggest challenge has been uh, not seeing my mom and my friends. I have to go to a personal note on that one. Um, So that's been the biggest challenge
3: so far. What about you, Odie? My biggest challenge was uh, having my agents maintain a healthy and positive attitude. Um, I I attacked that uh, from day one with them. We we put together a 90-day mindset routine. Uh, Challenge, but that was the biggest challenge.
0: But do you think that it was hard for agents to kind of adjust at first? Odie, is that what you found?
3: Yes. And just maintaining that positive attitude, um, not getting stuck in the media reports and, um, and and that negativity, uh, the fear factor. I think that was, uh, that was definitely the biggest challenge personally, for me, myself, maintaining that attitude. And for, um, just seeing them go through that struggle. Um, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we focus a lot on so, something we call meds, which is uh meditation, exercise, diet, and sleep. Um, and I found that to be helpful.
0: Yeah, it's something that's been around. I hear a lot of uh, of talk about meds during the, during the quarantine. Thanks for sharing. Maggie, how about you?
1: Well, I think on a personal level, I needed to um, keep away from putting on the quarantine fifteen. So I I hope I did that okay. (laughs) Um, On a um, on a business level for the associates, you know, so many people say this is our new normal, and you know, I think in real estate we are the masters of change. Um, You know, our profession is built on people's lives changing—buyers, sellers, landlords, tenants. Their lives change, and that's where we come in and help them guide them through this. So I don't think that this is a New normal for us. I think it's just our normal. Um, you know, we had many markets that come in and kind of knock us off our uh, knock us off of our feet. And it was Hurricane Andrew. You know, that was a uh, the short sales foreclosures, the mortgage fraud crisis. You know, all of those were very real markets, but they were very temporary. And I think that when you face the um, public from and our profession from a but from a position of strength and, and confidence, I think those are the things that help carry the public buyers, sellers, landlords, tenants through. Um, you know, we like to make sure that the agents are always kept engaged. You know, this is not a not a time for them to feel that they're an island and say, "Oh, I just work from home and I don't need the broker." I think now they need the strength of the broker and their companies more than ever. So we spent a lot of time with um, engaging them, keeping connected to them doing one-on-ones, calling them, and anything that we could do to keep them engaged, not only with us, but, but with each other. So we like for them to um, understand that they're not in the leaky canoe by themselves. You know, we're all in the same leaky canoe and, and you know, their strength in numbers. So we, we've had, you know, we've had some time with that, but I think it's to refrain from saying this is our new normal. Um, you know, for me, it's just normal.
0: It's a great point. Thank you, guys. Since you are all definitely right now uh, work from work managers and you have been working from home, how much longer, you know, do you think that you'll be working remote? And if just as a follow up question, if you guys could also talk about what Maggie just hinted on in her question, how much more outreach have you been able to do? And I guess the other thing, if we can incorporate another follow up question. How much more or less efficient do you think you've been at home? so Maggie, I'll let you start with that one since you kind of teed it up.
1: well our our offices are open now, and you know we we are asking for the associates to come into the office on an as needed basis. Um, I don't think that we were any less efficient when working from home. And I certainly didn't work any less while I was there. You know, the associates were still engaged. There's actually less distraction because there weren't so many, uh, the agents were not roaming around my house like they're roaming around the, the office. So I was able to give a lot more attention to that. Um, we never really lost a beat as, as I'm sure, you know, Odie and Mercy will say the same. I mean, we're always right there. They need a phone call. We have to process a file. We, anything that needed to be done, we were always here. So I, I don't think we lost any, uh, any less of, we were any less efficient. I think if, if nothing else, we were more efficient because we had some of the daily distractions that we normally are going through mainly like sitting in traffic and, um, so many other things that we have to deal with, picking the kids up from school or whatever they are. Um, we didn't really have that during this time, so I I think it worked out well for us. And, and I think through this, we actually discovered a lot more about ourselves than we would have um, had we been under the normal routine. You know, we just pulled things out of ourselves that we didn't even know that that existed, and and luckily we were able to embrace it.
0: So, so Maggie, just to clear, just to reiterate, you are back in the office now but agents aren't in the office so what's the status yep.
1: we are in we are in the office the staff is in the office and and the associates are welcome to come into the office we just ask for them to come in as an on and as needed basis so that we don't have a bunch of a group you know not everyone's coming into the office at at the same time hanging out so you know we're mindful of, of that for now
0: okay that's interesting uh mercy you want to jump in next
2: Yes, thank you, Beth. Yeah, that's interesting, Maggie. So we're kind of um in the process right now of, well, staff is all working from home. Um, we are opening the offices slowly in the next uh, two weeks, and actually we're kind of taking an opposite approach with the work uh, environment where the agents will be welcomed, the staff will be remaining at home and working at home remotely to support their needs, and somebody cleaning and taking care of the offices. But and also limiting contact and um, cleaning, you know, proper cleaning procedures and all that. So that's the work from home situation. Um, as far as uh, what I, uh, cutting off of what Maggie said, I mean, I feel, and we were talking about this when we were, before we got started here, I feel like I am super engaged with the agents more than ever now. Um, the... Virtual sales meetings, um, all the one-on-ones that we're having. Everybody's super, they show up, or usually they don't. Maybe they blow us off, but they are definitely there. They're ready to ready to listen. Um, we've been having some great uh, success with the uh, calls as well, with, with different people from across the nation coming into the calls. Uh, so it's been really an interesting ride for the last 90 days. And I personally think... When we started this, I didn't know if it was going to work, but it's worked better than ever for us. So it's the normal, as Maggie would say, it's not the new normal. And I think it's going to stay for a little while longer. That's for sure.
0: Odie, what's going on at Home Services Berkshire Hathaway?
3: I love the fact that all three brokerages took different approaches and every one of the approach to the stay at home orders seems to have been a success So we were never, uh, the managers and the staff were never closed. We were always uh, working from from the offices. Um, And uh, two weeks ago, uh, when the uh, stay-at-home orders, the governor lifted them, uh, we did uh, invite the agents uh, to come back. Um, We just um, asked them that uh, they um, are allowed to come back in the sense of uh, wearing face masks, maintaining the six feet between them, and certain guidelines like that. Um, um, I, when, when during that stay at home order, while the staff and the managers were in the offices, we multiplied those uh, weekly meetings um, that became, at, for my office, for example, we were doing uh, my weekly meetings became three times a week. Um, and they are so engaged, even though there's three of them now, three meetings, right? Um, not only are they engaged, but I, they are so hungry for the meetings. They are so hungry for knowledge. Um, it was interesting. I, um, to see all of that. And I, I still, I, I'm at all every day. We had our, our, what I call my wrap up calls this morning at 9am. And sometimes I get teary eyed just hearing for them. They're like, um, you haven't sent out the schedule for, for June. <laughs> They're really engaged in this, um, And that's a wonderful
0: thing. So it's really interesting. And I love that. Yeah. I like you just to reiterate what Odie said, that everybody's kind of taking a different path towards getting back in the office. It's very interesting. But what what I heard from all of you is that virtual meeting, the increase in meetings, the increase in one-on-ones. How much, and I'm going to start with you, Odie, how much of the virtual meeting are you going to keep moving forward? Once we, what, are you going to go back to in-person sales meetings and drop virtual meetings? Are you going to try and incorporate them? What Have you thought about that, Odie? And, and, and if so, what, how do you think you're going to move forward?
3: Definitely for the remainder of the year, we are not having in-person meetings. Um, we have... Uh, you know, 102 um, agents in our office, and uh, there's just no way um, for us to maintain uh, distance from each other for that. Um, so definitely, for the remainder of the year, um, that this is going to be a normal. Um, I don't know moving forward next year how we would approach that. I'm personally, I feel that this is way more productive. They save on on um, to, uh, driving time so i'm getting more agents in the meetings and the virtual meetings and i was getting in, in the in person meetings um i was averaging about 40% of my of my team coming in to a meeting and uh now i i mean i had a meeting where we had uh i think only two agents and they were actually uh they just couldn't uh, attend that were the only ones that that missed that meeting um and that for the 3 months that we have been in this it's been it definitely in the 80 percentile of participation. Um, so if I had to tell you, I think I'm gonna keep the virtual meetings to some extent. Even when we go back to having uh, in-person meetings, at some point I will maintain the, um, the, the virtual meetings. What about you, Maggie?
1: Well, I think what we're going to continue to do are the virtual meetings. They're very popular. And and I'll tell you one of the best benefits that I have seen is that from doing virtual meetings is that we can include um, any of our other offices. So, and, and not only just the offices here in Florida, we can include them in, in New York, California, wherever it is. And the agents love interacting with each other. It's, it's been very popular. We we've done a lot of cool things. We've had what we've had, uh, guest speakers that have come in. We do the the meetings uh, town hall um, on on a national level. And then we also do it for the state of Florida. Um, we've had uh, guest speakers who would talk about um, how to move forward, um, keep yourself in a, in a positive mindset. We've had happy hours. Oh, that's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, we've had the joint office meetings. I, I think we're going to continue to do it that way. It It is Um, We do have a better turnout because people don't have to worry about traveling, parking, um, gas, whatever it is that they have, trying to get someone over to school or get someplace else and try and and get here in time for the the meeting. And, And it just seems to be so much user friendly. We may do at some point have, um, not anytime soon, but when it's safe to have small gatherings, we may have a small gathering of associates and then have those um, available to sign in at the same time. So those that aren't physically here to participate, they can still participate by being online. We we haven't really gotten that far yet, but that's what I think we're going to be end end up doing.
0: Mercy. How about you?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, for,
2: for the foreseeable future, I mean, both ladies said it all. Um, we will be doing the virtual. They're super engaged as we know. Um, And it is great that they can, uh, we've had Robert Refkin, we've had Grant Cardone, we've had Mike Ferry come on to the calls. Uh, We've been doing the virtual happy hours. So, and it's really great because these agents are, they're seeing people they've never seen and really listening to, you know, uh, different perspectives. We had uh, New York, like Maggie Sane and LA come on and it's all, it's all been good. So I, I love it. The agents love it um and the happy hours are super fun too maggie we've done a bunch of them um we're actually recalibrating some of them i might be doing like cross-state ones to try to get everybody engaged that way a little different um so i i see for at least the rest of this year perhaps maybe the beginning of next year or as they say maybe when they get a cure we'll see what happens but i like it and so do the agents
0: yeah, it, it will be interesting to see overall. I think it's the same with open houses, right? Um, I, I've talked to a lot of people that agents, and we're certainly going to do it in a lot of our new development projects where agents will do a virtual open house in conjunction with a physical open house as soon as that we can reopen those things so that you're getting both the benefit of traffic that is not local plus local traffic, it'll be interesting to see how that translates to these sales meetings going forward. Once agents become mobile again, right? When you're, when they're locked in their house and they're not out running around, the attendance is up and they like it. So it's my hope that they see the real value of sales meetings and continuing them virtually, we'll continue to keep them engaged. We'll have to do a follow-up uh, podcast in a couple of months to see how that's going. Thank you, guys. So we've been talking about different firms. And, Mercy, I'm going to start with you here Um Tell me a little bit about the role of the qualifying or head broker. You're all managing brokers. Um, Every firm, again, approaches this a little bit differently. So we'll start with Mercy. How does the role of qualifying or head broker work at Compass?
2: Well, Compass is a little different, as we know, Beth. Um, So I am the principal broker for the state of Florida And I, so I oversee all the escalation points that would come to me and bubble up from the sales managers. And in addition to my other hat, I am also the sales manager for the Grove and Gables. But the way that works is I'm basically the main escalation point for any legal uh, board related issues, um, any big problems as we know. And little ones, as I've seen them in the last few months, uh, they love to call and tell me about all the issues that are going on during COVID. But yeah, <laughs> that's how it works here.
0: Maggie, how about your role at Douglas Solomon?
1: Well, um, it's an interesting one, just like it was when I was at um, EWM. So it, it's uh, I'm kind of like a hybrid of, of uh, many different positions. Um, I The brokers, all of the managing brokers are actually uh, qualifying brokers with Um, DBPR. Some of us are the actual brokers for the associations of our respective offices. And what I do is I help the other offices in addition to managing the Gables office. I also take care of um, matters that come across um, ethics, um, arbitrations, mediations, trying to, I'm a support to the other managers throughout the company when they need something. And I help them work with their, with their associates as well. Um, one of the the. I think one of the best things that we have about Douglas Sullivan is that the, the managers are, we are a, a tight knit group and we get together through Zoom calls or conference calls or once a month in, in person or when we could meet once a month in person. And we talk a lot about how we can help each other and, and we all become better managers and brokers become because of it. We all bring something different to the table. So I think, um, you know, we help each other be better than than what we would be if we were by ourselves. We're very supportive of each other. So those are the the ways that that we work. You know, we're all um, brokers. We're all officers of of the company as well.
0: Okay, Odie, how does it work at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services?
3: So each of the managing brokers are the qualifying brokers for our offices. Um, We split the the state uh, in four, uh, and each uh, one of us is overseen by a regional um, so we're, I'm in the Southeast regional, um, off, uh, Southeast region, um, location. And, um, um, just exactly like the lady said, uh, we're we'll seeing all of the, uh, interactions with NAR or, um, Florida realtors or any, anything with the code of ethics. Um, th- that's pretty much my role. All of our eight, all of our managers are non-competing brokers. And um, to that, but they do require that you had certain years of experience in sales as well as I had. Uh, and I would say the majority of our 41 managing brokers have had their own firm at some point or another like myself. That's pretty much my room.
0: Okay, Odie, and just to clarify, so at a, at the board level, does each managing broker support their agents in arbitrations or is there one person per county or so it's so it's totally by office
3: correct correct totally by office
0: okay great all right thank thank you all I, i i hope that's clear it's just interesting as time has evolved that How each company is shifting, changing, making moves to sort of reposition the sales manager and managing broker roles and create the compliance people and how that works at board representation. Every company is a little bit different. So thank you all for highlighting that and so that everybody that's listening can understand that just because it's one way in their company, that's not necessarily how it works in each and every company. I'm going to start back with you, Odie, if we can. And, you know, the next, we talked a little bit about how you've been supporting your agents in quarantine, but I loved your CASH acronym in your bio. Can you just talk for a few minutes about how you support your agents overall? You know, what does your day-to-day look like, whether that's in quarantine, out of quarantine? How do you approach supporting your agents?
3: I look at myself as a coach. Um, I do a lot of uh, sports Um, analogies because as a child I played sports Um, so a lot of them actually call me coach Um, that is a lot of the information I send them, a lot of the communication I send them, Uh, our personal contact is based on on things like that, that's where the uh, cash uh, came from Um, and um, I used, I created a, a training program let's call it a training program Um, that I call the West Coast offense meets the Perfect 17. The Perfect 17 is uh, from Don Shula's uh, Perfect 17 uh, season in 1972. Um, And it's actually a a blend of teachings from uh, Mike Ferry, um, from um, Brian Buffini. I was uh, a mentor for uh, Brian Buffini's uh, uh, program for many, many years, and I'm still certified uh, to do so. Um, and then, um, our chairman, uh, Gino Bufari, uh, Gino is very big on the four disciplines of execution. It's an amazing book. If you ladies have not read it, if anybody out there uh, listening has not read it or listened to its audio, it's amazing. The four disciplines of execution. Um, it's, uh, my, my book is torn apart. I, I keep it with me all the time. Um, and I, I even have it on the audio book. I, I can't even tell you how many times I've listened to it. Um, so that's. Base, the basis of my day is around that. that with that said, um, I work always work from a list. I teach, I coach them to work from a list. Um, I, uh, we build, uh, we establish wildly important goals, WIGs, again, back from the four disciplines of execution and from my program. So a lot of our day is based on that. Uh, we hold ourselves accountable. Everything is measurable. Um, and, uh, so we hold, hold each other accountable. I mentioned prior, uh, one of the questions before that, um, we do, um, three, three times a week. We have our calls at 9am. Um, those calls are based on the four disciplines of execution. And on Fridays, it's our accountability call. Um, and, uh, they go through their, their list that they've had for the, um, either Monday, Tuesday, depending on what day it is that we're doing that call. Um, that's, um, been that's a way that I personally support um, the my team um, as an office um, I think what the way that we as a, as a firm that I think we supported them during quarantine was the fact that we never closed per se the managers were still at the office the uh, at least one admin was still at every office that proved to be a tremendous amount of support and I can't tell you the amount of thank you text messages and um, someone needs to drop by and pick up keys and kind of stuff um, that uh, that became um, extremely helpful. Um, and uh, some of the other stuff that we used so I feel that we supported them is uh, we, you know, quickly uh, produced branded uh, face coverings, sent them out to the agents. Um, and uh, we ordered, uh, were able to buy in bulk um, little bottles of sanitation, you know, hand uh, sanitation, uh gave them out to the to the sales professionals. Um so in, in that sense, you know, we were finding a way to support them when people weren't able to find um hand sanitation. We were able to find them and uh, buy them in bulk and and provide it to them, including the face mask um that they're now, you know, everybody's having with all the brands and all of that, all that all that good stuff. Um so that that's put. I think those that's uh, rounds it up of how I've been supporting our team and how our firm's been supporting our team.
0: Great, uh, that's very interesting. I've got to. I wrote down the name of the book. I've got. I, I've got to read it. Thanks for the tip, Maggie. How about you? How 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 are you? How are you supporting your agents?
1: Well, I I think we've really put a, a big emphasis on staying in constant contact with them. Um, you know, we have. A ton of of one-on-one trainings. We also have a lot of training on a company-wide level as well. And what we like to do is, you know, thanks to Zoom, you know, to share the screen so a lot of us can see the, the same training or the webinar or whatever it is at the same time, share our comments. Um, you know, we've been working on a lot of, you know, what sets them apart and, you know, sometimes I, I know them. So sometimes I see things in them that they don't see in themselves. And when they're feeling a little bit down and they, they feel that they're not relevant anymore or that they're losing their competitive edge, you know, we just need to like pull them right out of that. And we have deep discussions about that and it's been very helpful for them. Uh, we'd like for them to, to, um, to really work on uh, together, like all of us together, uh, are very generous with the information that we share. So if one of the associates, even one of the top associates, they have something, a challenge that goes, that ha- that has happened, they they will share it. And that's really a good part about this office as well, because people think that, you know, those that... Sell so much of the real estate, they don't really have any challenges. They they don't have any um, issues about their identity or their how they are how they're working. But you know, everyone has the same thing. So I think that that has helped a lot as well. It's been it's been a lot of contact. Um, You know, I I made a point to come to the building and. Pick up the mail um, pretty much every day. Um, I actually delivered mail, especially to one associate who was receiving invoices from two credit card companies that her husband didn't know that she had. So, so she had them mailed here. Uh, you know, you do whatever it is you, you need to do, and just make it fun, and you know, let them know that they're that um, we're going to continue to evolve, and there our marketing department continues to have new things. You know, the listing up. Uh, um, the listing presentations and all kinds of um, things that we can share gives them material to share um, that they can tweet about or go on Instagram or Facebook or whatever it is that they want to do. So that continues to, um, give them new material as as well, but I think the biggest thing is that we're we are in it seems like constant contact with them, and and I think that 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 above all has been the the biggest benefit.
0: Great, great, Mercy. Anything you want to add? Um, yeah.
2: So I mean, I think in the beginning of this, when it all went down, um, the just uh, what Maggie said was the contact. We first kind of went down the list of all the principals, um, and and the, and all the agents involved in Compass called them, see how they were doing in the, within the first two weeks. Um, then we recalibrated and actually did some uh, a business plan for Q2 uh, because we figured this is a great time to get business plans done again and recalibrate and see what they're feeling um, now versus, you know, in the beginning of the year because we do business plans in the beginning of the year as well. Uh, what we really set our, aside from a lot of things, I feel like, is that we have a thing called Compass Academy Um, It has a ton of workshops and um, you can basically go through each one and it makes them feel very accomplished to get through all of the academy. I mean, I have agents calling me saying, I I did it all. And it was, so that's really good. And right when this all went down, I was with the marketing team that day and we actually created a virtual open house kit immediately for our agents. Um, And now Compass has actually taken it to another level and it's called on the virtual agent services where it has a whole suite of different things that the agents can utilize for the virtual world, as we call it, um, and I think that's you know really what we've been doing to keep them in, and keeping them engaged, talking to them, lots of firefighting. I think everybody on this call will resonate with that. Um, but yeah, it,
0: that's uh, pretty much on my side. Great, It's just been interesting, and I'll just kind of sum up this. We're gonna move off the sort of quarantine coverage uh round of questions, it does seem to me that although this whole situation is not anything we'd want to wish on anyone, it has had a silver lining. I feel like f- what I heard from all three of you was that you made you doubled down on efforts to connect with your agents. you put forward a lot more uh, and more rigorous coaching plans. they felt supported, you used the time to teach, train, um, improve skill sets so that when everything comes back on the other side of this, the normal—it's because it's not the new normal—you come back with more skilled, more ed- better educated, and better prepared agents, associates, sales professionals, customers, whatever everyone, however everyone refers to their to their agent population in their company. I think they're better off for the time that you all put in during this time. So thank you all. And I think it sounds like you all did an amazing job. I'm going to switch gears just a little bit here and kind of go into something I know I've talked with each one of you separately and apart from over many years, and you've all been involved at the board level and ethics hearings. What advice, and I'm going to start with you, Maggie, what advice would you give to agents that are listening about keeping in step with the Code of Ethics?
1: Well, I have a lot to say about that, but I, but I won't say all of it. <laughs> it, it is, sometimes it is the reason why I color my hair, I, I do have to tell you. Um, I, you know, I think that, um, you know, th- this profession is based on the quality of relationships that we have within our own industry, with each other, you know, not just our customers, but with each other. I think sometimes that's forgotten. Um, There's a realtor's mom that had a saying and she used to say there's no right way to do the wrong thing. And, you know, that's something that I believe in. Um, You know, I think that sometimes we forget that we just it's honesty and fairness and cooperation and being courteous to each other and, and respectful. Um, You know, that goes a long way in these transactions. And when we're not and we treat each other uh, as the enemy, so to speak, we put our boxing gloves on. You know, I think it's the public and possibly the transactions that that pay the the price for it. Um, You know, there's a lot of times when I have an associate that will come to me and say, you know, I have a problem or I think I have a problem. And one of the first questions I ask is, who's the other broker? Because I think nothing about picking up the phone and calling them and seeing if we can work it out. And, and most of the time we, we do, but it's just a matter of picking up the phone, you know, having some communication. Um, you know, I think that it's if associates could concentrate on doing what's right over being right, because sometimes they're so sure that they are right. And, and, you know, there, and that's not always the case. Um, you know, I asked, uh, you know, for associates to, go to their broker, go to their managers, call the legal hotline, get some help before they get so deep into it that now there's no turning back and now we have a problem. And, you know, it's always easier to keep them out of trouble than to um, get them out of trouble. So I think the biggest thing is communication and respect for each other. We're all in this together. Um, we're all headed towards the same direction in a transaction, or we should be. And when you have a buyer that wants to buy and a seller that wants to sell, um, you know, it's not, it's us, to us, to continue with the with the relationship side, you know, we may have gotten the public the best deal ever, um, and at the closing, if we made it miserable for them the entire time, making disparaging remarks about the other. Uh, realtor or doing something that's not quite right. You know, that's what they're going to remember is that they were on the edge of their seat the whole time. That that's what the consumer takes away from them at the transaction. They're not going to say how great we are. So I I think it really is just about um, watch the relationships. If you're not sure about something, you know, just go to your broker, go to your manager if, if it doesn't feel right, it probably isn't. And um, that's really the, you know, that's the best thing is just common sense of, of what I can say to associates. I think it'll, it it will take a lot of the problems um, in, in a different direction rather than escalating. And I've, I've been on a lot of panels. I've, I've served on many um, panels. I have chaired countless hearings. And there are times when I just have to ask them, did you pick up the phone and call the other broker and try to settle this so that's you know those are just the basics of what we would do in our personal lives that should carry over into our professional lives so now i'm going to go color my hair
0: yeah okay i was going to say yeah i I, i'm sorry this isn't a video because (laughs) i'd like to see how much gray hair is showing (laughs) (laughs) yep um odie you want to
3: add to that Yeah, absolutely. Um, Listen, I think I always tell them, don't we all want a greater appreciation and respect for our profession? We want it to be called a profession. Um, I use a technique with them all the time. Um, I keep a mirror uh, in in my office that looks to be there as a decorative, uh, you know, wall decoration. Um, I actually use it and make them stand in front of the mirror and talk to that, to the mirror as if they were talking to me and I start by t- telling them if there's a but in what you're going to tell me don't do it um and uh that's basically what I, I tell them about the code of ethics I mean uh yeah that has been uh, the struggle for this profession for for years and uh, NAR and uh you know they have done such a great job of of um making us educate ourselves Uh, in the code of ethics, but how often do they really listen and learn um, what, what, what is in the code of ethics? It's, um, it's, it's mind blowing. And I mean, I love this profession, as I'm sure you ladies, I know you do uh, love this profession and I love what I do. um, And um, I love it when I get um, an email or which I actually received one yesterday from someone you, you, um, from one of my agents that most of you probably know, Annie Alexander, um, but when I get a, an, an email or a card from a customer, uh, telling me what an amazing job, um, one of my agents has done, um, I actually received emails from eight, from other agents, um, in your own companies telling, thanking me and, and just celebrating one of my agents and oh my gosh, what a proud moment, um. I don't know what's prouder when it comes from the customer, when it comes from a colleague. Um, It's uh, it's incredible when I receive something like that. That's what I would tell them is I I tell them every day and uh, anytime I have an issue with them or they think that they may have an issue or have a doubt, stand in front of that mirror. And tell me what you're going to tell me. If there's a but don't do it. I like that. Yeah.
0: I, and and yeah. again, I, I, I hope uh, I hope we're taking notes here because th- this <laughs> is this is good stuff. Mercy, how about you? How do you keep I... – uh, what do you tell agents <laughs> about keeping in step with the Code of Ethics?
2: You're making me follow these two ladies. Wow, <laughs> the pressure's on. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, Maggie and Odie, you guys are pros. That, I mean, I agree with everything you both said. Um, in addition, I mean, <laughs> something super simple that um, I – has started to do pre-quarantine is I actually started dissecting um, the standards of practice in each sales meeting and reading two or three of them. Um, I wanted them to remind them of what that is in each section. And then we actually did case studies and we debated it. So um, besides all the other stuff that obviously we all do every day, but that was one thing is, you know, let's get back to the standards of practice. Let's look at them. Let's read them. What does it mean to you? How do you decipher them? and it was a really good exercise watching the agents um faces in the room saying well is that right did i do it? What? hold on i don't know the uh so yeah i mean that i think it it's like odie said it's like the code of ethics standards of practice it's all the stuff that you know we need to kind of remind ourselves of a lot and obviously being respectful
0: and nice and play in the sandboxes i say uh, you know my fav- my favorite beginning of all these things is it just all starts with being nice. Yeah. If you can start with nice, good things, <laughs> good things will happen. Simple advice. So mercy back to you for the follow-up question. If you could change one thing in agent behavior that leads to problems, what would you do?
2: Oh, um, 100% seek advice from your broker manager in the beginning of the issue. It, it go That's why, that's why we're here. Come to us and ask us, uh, that will avoid a lot of problems if, uh, they're questioning themselves or a call the legal hotline also
1: is good Maggie um, I think you know of, of course going to going to the broker right away, but you know sometimes they don't know when they need to go to the broker, so you know when I teach the code of ethics class for Miami Association of Realtors, this is not going to come as a surprise to you i I don't use a PowerPoint presentation mainly because I don't know how to prepare one, but the other part of it is that you know i I spend the time sharing stories because you know the agents have a tendency to not remember the the articles or the code of ethics and you know their eyes are glazed over looking at a powerpoint but when i tell them actual stories and they say oh no that could never happen to me and i want to tell them yeah it could happen to you um you know i kind of scare them for about two and a half hours and they all walk away with something we have a lot of fun but you know i i i I need for them to understand this is how these are applied um i think that the, the managers and the brokers and the owners who hire agents, you know, I think that we all have a responsibility to guide these associates in, in the right direction and not just hire them and say, well, you know, good, good luck to you. I think we we have a, a very important part to lead by example encourage the associates to come to them before it is a problem. And if they get that funny feeling in their stomach, then that's the time to go over to the, to, to the broker or the manager before, you know, before there's a problem. And, and, you know, everybody makes mistakes and we all understand that. We've all been new. Um, so I think to really put more of an emphasis on the associates at no matter what level they are in their real estate career, um, to stop and take a breath and, you know, just come to us and, and let us help them figure this out. Do we have a problem? Can we prevent it? Or is there no problem at all?
0: More good advice. Odie, you want to wrap this part up?
3: Absolutely. The ch- I think that change that needs to happen is they need to really realize that there is enough business for everyone to go around. Um, you don 't need to do something wrong uh, to put more money in your pocket you need to just realize that embrace technology and embrace knowledge that 's it.
0: Great advice thank you guys and Maggie hit on it and it leads it 's a great segue into the next question one of my a lot of my favorite conversations with all three of you over the years have been talking about great stories that we see in the profession so odie we 're going to start with you why don 't you share one of your Favorite uh, real estate stories.
3: If I've got to share only one, I'm going to be. It's going to be when I was in sales. Um, I get a call from a gentleman who's moving back to Miami, living in Colorado. Um, He tells me how one of my past uh, customers had um, expressed to him that he can only do business with me. Um, And uh, after the initial interview, uh, buyer interview with him, we set up a, a meeting place and a meeting time. I drive up uh, to the house, and uh, there is a gentleman and a lady in the front door already of uh, of the home that we were meeting at. Uh, but they're facing; they're knocking uh, on the door. Actually, they were there way earlier. I'm always early on on time, definitely. And they were there earlier, way earlier than me. Um, I get out of my car, and I, from the I guess the noise of the car, um, they both turned around and like a scene from a romantic movie. <laughs> um, his wife um, and I both dropped our purses um, and, every, and I dropped everything I had in my hands. We ran to each other, embraced and cried for, I swear, it must have been 10 minutes. Um, and he is in, like looking at us like, what's going on? Um, it just so happens this was a childhood, um, Hilda, his wife is a childhood friend of mine um, that, uh, I think we go back to, uh, I was trying to think when you told us this question, I think it was in 1975 that we first met, uh, in elementary school at Sharandoah elementary. Um, and, um, uh, it was just crazy. We hadn't seen each other, uh, probably since 1983. Um, and, uh, I, I tell you, I, I sold them that house and I've done more than 30 transactions for him and, and her and the family uh, since when I was in sales. Uh, but that moment um, uh, was just spectacular. Something I think about all the time. Crazy,
0: fortuitous. You just never know who's going to get out of that car. Yeah, thank, thank you, Odie. Okay, Maggie, over to you.
1: Well, Beth, you took kind of part of one of my stories about my Uncle Joe and your brother, Bob. So one, one, of, one of the things that did happen during that that one that I, I find so funny is that my Uncle Joe, who was like the – he was the head of the pack in my family, and if I could get his business, I'd have my family's business as well, but I had to get his business first. So when I had the listing and um, my Uncle Joe filled out a um, – a seller's property disclosure statement. And, and the answers are all yes, no, or I don't know. And over to the right margin of the page, I see the the initials V and G. And it's up and down on every page. And I said, Uncle Joe, you didn't answer the questions. It's yes, no, or I don't know. And he said, I did answer the questions. I put it VG. I said, well, what does VG mean? He says, it means very good. Everything's in very good condition <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so luckily, because of Beth and her sense of humor and her brother, you know, they were cool with that. And we were, we were able to move on and had a really fun transaction. But uh, I'll tell you, the, the other part of it is that there was another story that I can tell you. Um, there is a, a brand new licensee. It was his first transaction. And he was buying a, a um, he was representing a buyer and who they were buying their first transaction. It was a foreclosed property. And one of our associates had the listing. There were multiple offers on it. This is a long, a long time ago. And um, our agent continued to try to help him. He had no idea what he was doing. And through the course of many revisions of the offer, because the, the listing agent continued to say to him, the lender, the bank foreclosed, and they're not going to counter. So, you know, they're not going to grade your paper. So you have to come, everyone has to come with complete offers. And he said, would you please help me? Because this is the first time I'm doing this. I don't want the buyers to know it's my first transaction and it's the buyer's first purchase. So they don't know what they're doing either. So the agent continues to help them. And finally through days and many revisions, he finally gets it right and sends it over to her. And she says, dude, this is great, but you know, you're missing one thing. And he said, what is that? And she says, you know, you're missing the closing date. And he said, well, what do you mean by that? And she said, well, you have to pick a date when the buyers want to close. He said, what should I put? And he she says, I don't know. You have to ask the buyers. He said, well, I don't want to ask the buyers because they're going to ask me. And because this is my first transaction, I don't know what to put in the, in that spot. So what should I put? And she says, I don't know, pick a date. So he sends back the first page of the contract. And in the closing date, he writes, pick a date. So, so that, <laughs> 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 Yeah. So, <laughs> Pick a date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so so that's my pick a date story. <laughs> pick a
0: date. Uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry. That 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 that's a great one. Mercy, do you have one?
2: <laughs> I guess catty you not know, pick a date. Beth, I'll have to say my most recent one, which was really funny. <laughs> um, an agent called me after a weekend, and she said, "I'm going to send you an email. I have a situation." on one of my listings. And I said, okay. And she goes, so just take a look at the video and call me back. Well,
0: <laughs> this is during Sorry. quarantine. I just, this I just want to quarantine.
2: This. Just, just saying. So, um, in the video is a couple walking into a, into the house. The camera was clearly an empty apartment. Um, the, my agent gave out the lockbox, and cameras clearly right on top of like a refrigerator. And, and they walk the couple and they're they're acting like they're looking at the house and with masks in their hands and gloves in the other hand. And I click on the next clip and you will never believe what I saw. <laughs> they were going at it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And I'm like. This is how to have Um, an affair,
0: how to have an affair when you're locked up with your spouse in quarantine.
2: Right. How How to have an affair when you're locked. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, I'm sitting there saying, oh my God. I, I, so I called the broker and I said, listen, I mean, I don't know how to put this to you, but you know, we have a little bit of an issue and the seller's not too happy. He goes, oh my God. He, he, he finally left his wife. I, was like, <laughs> I go, listen, I said, I, 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 I don't know, even know where to begin or end with this. Um, it's obviously up to the seller if they're going to file anything, but could you do me a favor? Could you get the apartment cleaned? <laughs> and the guy did send out a professional cleaner the next day, but, uh, yeah, that was probably one of the funnier ones I've had recently, but I have
0: tons of them. Um, uh, but Yeah. I guess I'd go with the COVID theme one. <laughs> it's it's interesting. Thank you guys. Mercy, <laughs> Mercy, I'll let you tee this one off. What do you like best about your job and what would you, and conversely, what would you change about it?
2: Uh well, I love helping people. Um, so helping agents make the right choices and hopefully not having that kind of client. Um, no kidding, but, uh, uh, You know, just helping agents and also working with such a great staff. I mean, I'm really, truly blessed every day. Um, And uh, working with the technology that Compass has, I mean, I just love it. And the ever-changing, moving environment that we're in. And just, you know, I think that's why we all love this business is there's, you you never know it all. um, And there's always something to learn. And I think that's what keeps me on my toes with this business uh, for 18, 19 years Uh, I guess if I could change one thing, um, besides making people, everybody in the world ethical and nice, um, (laughs) I would uh, say uh, probably seek a little bit better work-life balance because I do work quite a bit. But uh, that's probably the only thing I would change.
0: Maggie? Maggie?
1: Well, what I like, I think what I like best about my job is that I know so much more um, if, I only, if I only did this on my own, because I get to experience everything that's going on with the other associates. It really broadens my horizons. And Beth, as you like to say, you know, you're like a tree, you just shake you and all kinds of things fall out. And then this is kind of, it's kind of. Kind of the same thing. So, you know, I, I think, it, you know, I find real estate to be very exciting. I, I always have. Um, I think that there's never a dull moment. And when an associate comes in, not not just within the office, not even just within the company, but within the industry, and they're calling me about a question or they have an experience, or even when I teach the code of ethics part and, you know, they I have like the confession time where they all come up and tell me their little stories at, at breaks. I just, I learn something new every day. Um, that, that's what I think is so exciting about it. I I like working with the associates and, um, helping them overcome things that maybe just giving them another way to think that it would not have occurred to them to think along those lines. And, And that's kind of fun too. Um, what I would change is I think I would change how I allocate my time. Um, I would spend more time outside, um, of the office meeting other associates and interacting more. Um, you know, I, I love Wednesdays or love them, you know, anyway, when we used to be able to have brokers opens because it's like kind of like a, a social day for me. So I, I like that kind of thing, you know, dealing more more with on the outside with the associates that um, that are that are within the, in, in the industry. So that's what I think I would change.
3: Good, good, good. What about you, Odie? I love coaching, obviously.
1: <laughs> coaching
3: them up. Um, I just love it. I I love to uh, pretend that uh, I'm a buyer or a seller and we do scripts together and I uh, uh, challenge them uh, to see um, how they're going to react when the person responds some way or another. Um, I I just love that. Um, If there's anything I would change about the way my personal job is structured uh, as a managing broker I know my regional manager is going to hate me for saying this, but it would be recruiting. I do not like recruiting. Um, I very, apparently I'm very good at it. I've grown the office incredibly. Uh, but, um, it, I, I think it has been, uh, accidental. Um, I, uh, you, I think Maggie was the one that mentioned, uh, this is businesses about relationship and, uh, that's basically how I have done my recruiting is based on, on relationships that I had, um, with agents that I have done transactions with, so if there's something I would change is the being being very specific about recruiting and having recruiting goals and all that. I just I just don't like it, but um, other than that, coaching I love it.
0: It's interesting, and and I and we started to talk about it a little bit when we were defining the roles that you each fill in your respective companies and this ever evolving, changing, what is a sales manager sort of thing. And um, it's been interesting to watch that many companies, Compass included, have taken out the recruiting function from the sales manager job and actually put that on a recruiter. I mean, not that that's new, but it's become a lot more mainstream Um, I think in recent years where they're dividing growth from sales management and making instead of making the sales manager or the or or the managing broker, the one size fits all type of generalist. It is kind of narrowing down a little bit more to that coaching confidant compliance sort of role. So it's interesting that you shared that, Odie, and we'll make sure you don't get in trouble with your regional manager. Um, (laughs) Uh, yeah, I, I think as long as your numbers are good, nobody's going to care. So, oh no, she, she
3: wouldn't care. I'm just kidding. You know Pat very well. She wouldn't I, care.
0: I know. I I know Pat very well. That's why I said I'm sure you're not going to get in trouble. So, so Odie, let's let let's start this next one with you. For people out there that would like to become a sales manager. Or a broker, what advice would you give them? Any courses, designations, organizations? What, what for people that are out there that think, I might really, I love these ladies, I might wanna do what they do. How do I get there? Odie, what advice would you give them?
3: You have to have the mindset of being a business owner. And this little office, this little corner of the world is your own business. The, going back to the book I mentioned before, The Four Disciplines of Execution. That will help you run a business, run run your life like a business, or not your life, but uh, your business life as as a real business owner, as a CEO of of that little office or that little corner uh, of your world. Um, And um, I think for me, something that helped me tremendously was being so involved with uh, association, the National Association, the Florida Association, being on the board of directors. The knowledge. Uh, kinships and um just every, that what i got from that was to me so rewarding and i would definitely recommend that to everybody i definitely i even recommend it to our agents um it's just to establish that kinship and you really get to know our business great
0: thank you mercy what about you
2: um i have to agree with Odie on the uh the board associations um, I'm on grievance and I think it's super important to get involved on something to the grievance or first you got to do grievance for two years obviously I think it's two years um, get involved with NAR Um, I never did but I also had you as a mentor Beth so you kind of taught me a lot Um, and I think that's the other thing is getting grabbing onto a mentor and really learning from them because uh, this business it's you know it, there's no book for it as experience wise I think that um, every like I was saying every day we there's something new something pops up that's different um, so I think it's a lot of time uh, that you need I think there is t- a certain amount of time that you need to be in the business um, to really understand it because, because it's just you know ever changing and I mean I think a mentor really helps excel that if that's the route you want to go
0: Maggie Buck back to you
1: run
0: <laughs> hey i don't call it the dark side for nothing
1: <laughs> <laughs> well i it, but if you decide to not run um i think you know you need to get ready to work more than ever i mean there's absolutely no business hours not nine to five or ten to ten there forget about it because When you're um, when you're talking with the associates and there's so many of them that are that are facing something, you're you're working on their schedule. And if you have 100 agents, you're working on 100 different schedules. So, you know, that's that takes a lot of time. Um, You know, I'm a big believer in education. Um, I never stop learning. I think designations are important only if they add value to the broker. It's not to just have a bunch of letters after your name that don't really mean anything. Um, I have the CRB designation, and it was well worth the investment of, of time and money. Um, I'm a big believer in getting involved. There, it's not just to help you know more, but, it, but it's, af- it's also to um, add more to who you are as, as a broker. It's relationships. It's feeling that you're connected. Um, you, your exposure immediately expands as to what you know and, and what you can offer um, be be volunteer with the Realtor Association, Florida Realtors, National Association of Realtors, join committees, the Women's Council of Realtors, or whatever it is that there is out there. You just jump in, get involved, go to the Florida Realtors conferences. There's so many people to meet that you're, you would not even realize that they, they happen to work right next door to you, or they may be from across the state. Um, I think it's very important to have experience in selling. Um, I think that if a manager does not have experience in, in selling, they they will have a challenge um, communicating and talking on the level of, a, of an associate. You know, one of the things that I, I've always said about you, Beth, is that, you know, you talk the, the agent's language and that's that's what associates need to know. They, they are, especially in times like this, you know, are you a leader and, and can you help them through this? And if you've not had that experience before, you really don't know what, what they're What they're feeling and you're not able to expand on their thinking process because you're a bit limited in in your experience in this. Um, I think it's important to know as much as you can make it hard for the associates to stump the panel. If it turns out that you don't know the answer, at least know where where to get it. It's really important to build, build, build relationships with other brokers and other managers, because, you know, as I've said before, we're all in the same leaky canoe and, and we can be a great source of support for each other. And, and that's how you can understand, just like we're doing right here with Odie and Mercy, you know, we're all sharing information that happens within our companies. And, you know, I'm going to walk away from this probably knowing more than what I was able to give to any of, of you all. So I, I think that that's, it, it's important to do that. I think agents will see right through you if, if they feel that um, they're stronger in in real estate than, than you are. Um, you know, you need to have true leadership abilities. You can't act out of fear um, or uncertainty. So you have to have the confidence and get in there and make a decision. And don't be afraid if you make a mistake.
0: This is all great advice. Thank you, guys. I I, I think the only thing I'll add to that, if I may, is you know this is a this is a position of real servant leadership and I know it's a it's it's a topic everybody talks about now but e- you are a manager you run an office but at the same time you're you're at the bottom of the funnel and you have a hundred bosses not one and or 200 or whatever however many people you manage and your ego you got to check your ego at the door it just you know as a servant leader you're Your dealings with agents have to be about them. They have to come first. They have to be heard. You have to be the one that listens and it has to be about them. And if I've seen in my time why some sales managers fail, it's because they make it about themselves and not about putting the agents first and truly seeing this as a servant leadership role. So thank you, guys. I think that that, these have been great tips. Um, I want a last question before we get into the lightning round. I want you all to take a look into your crystal balls and tell us what you think the next six to 12 months hold for the real estate market in South Florida. Maggie, I'll start with you.
1: Well, I, as everybody else says, and you know we've all heard it, um, it's no secret. I think some of some of the areas are going to have a slower economic recovery than others. I believe Florida's ability to recover soon will be sooner than most markets. Um, I think some associates are, as it happens, when we go through trends like this, some some associates will get out of real estate. Um, they'll have to find another way to support themselves during this time because they don't have enough enough to carry them through this. Um, I think that real estate is always has, and it always will be. It's going to flow through and go right to the the stronger force, and that includes agents who have positioned themselves as as well as as companies. Um, you know, I don't think that this is going to be a market where associates who can be part time or they're not they're not quite up to par yet um, are going to be able to cut their teeth on this kind of a, this kind of a market. I think that we're you know fortunate to be selling real estate in a state like in a state like Florida, um, because Florida has always been in the spotlight. I think that the appeal of moving to Florida has not diminished one bit. Um, I think that we're still a bargain in our prices and and our living style compared to so many other state uh, other states in the country. Um, some of our regions, such as Palm Beach and and St. Pete, are having killer market times. I mean, multiple offers and and they're they've been very active, and I think that's going to continue to um, grow for them as well as other regions as well. I, you know, I we're already seeing um, the the effects of of pent up demand for housing. Some of our associates right here in this office are, I mean, they're busier than they said that they, than they have ever been, which is great news. And I think that the third and fourth quarters are going to be really interesting to to find out what happens. But um, I. I I think the way that that the buyers are acting now they're starting to come out from hiding you know they they're like subterranean buyers for a while and now they're now they're coming above the the ground I don't think we have, we never stopped selling real estate we never paused you know we we have re- remained active um but I think that the renewed interest and maybe safe of you know it's okay to come back in the water um and that is that is really led by the professionals in our industry that that say that to the buyers, sellers, landlords, or tenants. Those are That's the tone that we give to them. You know, let, let us guide you through this. So um, I really don't have much of a crystal ball, and I'm sure I'm not saying anything more than, you know, probably anybody else knows. But um, that's what I'm, I'm thinking. You know, I, I think Florida has a great chance of, of rebounding. Odie, how about you?
3: A hundred percent agree. Um, South Florida, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, big, big uh, employers, Um, Twitter and and Google included, um, are uh, making their employees or just uh, placing their employees to work from home. Um, During the quarantine times, social media, I think, helped put a beautiful light on South Florida. Uh, People were posting uh, staying at home in their backyard pools while on their computers and working. Um, And um, I think... The opportunity to be able to work from home and not have to live, um, not going to mention a particular city, but have to live in somewhere where you're confined to a small apartment <laughs> um, and being able to be in sunny and beautiful South Florida um, while still being fully uh, uh, employed is going to help our real estate market. Um, I think we're already starting to see that. Definitely agree with that uh, as well. Um, I'll, I'll share also an, interest, an interesting um, stat that I pulled up a couple of days ago so um, uh, showing times top 100 um, markets is already showing, showed in, uh, it, this was on May 26th um, the top 100 markets it showed that um, it is showings are 6% below um, pre-pandemic but 3% above what we, what we were at the same time last year. Um, and that's, again, in the 100 top markets. Um, I think in South Florida, is definitely the numbers are way higher than that. And uh, we're already seeing way higher numbers than we... Um, I, I did it actually on the 20th for just South Florida, um, and uh, we were up 19% of showings at the same time last year. Mercy
2: i mean i agree with both these ladies right there and um i think that the next six to twelve um i agree also with what maggie was saying i think uh, there will we will see some exodus out of here with agents um deals are i'm hearing are very difficult to put together buyers and sellers you got to really work them i think it's going to get harder um I think we are going to see, and we already are seeing, a huge influx of New Yorkers. Um, I think New York Times came out with an article a couple of days ago that we're second uh, for New Yorkers. Actually, first is New Jersey, where they're looking at, but second is Florida. Um, So I think we'll get a lot of that. And I've heard numerous agents telling me from Connecticut as well, which is interesting, in South Florida. Um, So I think we will be... Looking at those second home buyers coming down here, they're looking for space. We know they're looking for pools. They want, you know, bigger areas to live in. And I mean, Beth and I can't, you and I spoke about this today, but all my agents have been telling me that they're, they're, the three to five million is very busy for them. Time will tell. Um, it's going to be an interesting six
0: to 12. So I'm looking forward to it yeah thank you guys. I feel like overall i mean no, nobody really knows what's gonna happen and how much you know economic damage has been done to the local economy overall, but it does feel like if anybody can fare the fare this storm, Florida is probably as well positioned as as we can be. so let's all keep our fingers crossed and and hope that we boom back. I'm gonna run into the lightning now. Uh, round now and i'm going to start with you maggie if you don't mind just for a few quick uh q a and this section for those of you that are tuning into from the ground up for the first time is just to get to know all of our guests from the ground up so we're going to start with their story and rapid succession q a maggie where were you born michigan birth order
1: number six of seven kids
0: there you go. Academic background.
1: High school and barely got out of that alive. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Who is your best teacher? Or maybe with that last answer, you didn't have one.
1: <laughs> well, it, in life, my older brothers, my five older brothers and sisters, because it really does take a t- took a village. No kidding. Um, but Miss Bates, she was my cosmetology teacher in 11th grade. And I learned just enough to make me so dangerous in that field.
0: Well, back to the
1: back to the hair
0: dye again. Here we go. <laughs> what was your first job?
1: I uh, worked at wonton restaurant in Westchester.
0: <laughs> How do you like that? Who was your best? I I like that. Who was your best mentor?
1: Randy Simpson. Randy Simpson is another real estate broker, and he's actually the reason why I got into real estate. I have been very fortunate since then to meet many mentors, with you know Beth among them.
0: Oh, please. Oh, please. By, by the way, Maggie, Randy Simpson called me just just probably 10 days ago. I hadn't talked to him in a while. It was good to catch up. Oh, Tell I'll us your God. current familial status.
1: OK, well, um, I'm not married, but, you know, the day's not over yet. And uh, <laughs> I, I have a son, Ronnie, and my daughter, Misty. They're in their 30s. And I always say that they raised me more than I raised them.
0: And they're great kids. I know them both. Where do Thank you live you. and what do you like best about your home?
1: I live in Pinecrest. And what I like best is that there's a lot of space. There's plenty of room to roam. Um, I don't have to get into an elevator with 16 other people or know what the person next door is cooking for dinner. So that's that. I like that neighborhood.
0: What's your favorite vacation spot?
1: Um, I like going to Texas. I have a lot of cool places over there that I go and I always have a really great time and Texans are a lot of fun. What's your morning routine? I wake up early. Um, I don't have TV or music on. I I like quiet because it's probably the only quiet that I'm going to have for the rest of the day. So I have quiet time and then I do a little bit of work before I leave for the office. Biggest failure,
0: best success?
1: I bought a condo um, that I lost money on, and I had to come to the table with a little bit of money, and that still hurts today. It wasn't a lot, but you know that's a little painful. Being in real estate hurt my pride <laughs> as well. Um, I think as far as as far as my best success is, um, I just think my life is a success. You know, I'm I'm very grateful. You know, I have all that I need. I have a wonderful family, and I have great friends, a, a cool home, a profession that I love, and you know that to me is a, is a success right there.
0: Do you have an aspirational goal?
1: I think, you know, to my, my goal, my opinion, I mean, my, my definition of my own goal would be that I surround myself with those that make me better, um, that I continue to add to that list to that do, you know, that does that, Um, you know, Maya Angelou has a saying, when you know better, you do better. And, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to uh, do better. So my goal is to always do better.
0: What's been your favorite part of quarantine?
1: You know, I work so many hours, like I'm sure all of us on the panel do. Um, and I I think for the first time in what seems like many, many, many years, I have actually lived in my home instead of feeling like I was just staying there. And I think that, that was my favorite thing. I made chocolate chip cookies for the first time in probably 20 years. And therein lies the quarantine 15 problem that I go back to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're coming full circle.
1: Yes, I am. What's the best way for
0: people that want to contact you after hearing you on the podcast? What's the best way for them to get in touch with you?
1: I, I think probably by my email, which is Maggie, M-A-G-G-I-E dot Buck, B-U-C-K at Elliman, E-L-L-I-M-A-N dot com.
0: Thank you, Maggie. All right. Odie, over to you for the for the lightning round. You ready?
3: Yep. Okay, where were you born? Catalina de Guine. Ever heard of the, those giant avocados called uh, Catalina? <laughs> That's exactly yes. where I'm from. Here. They're from there. <laughs>
0: okay. You and the avocados. What's your birth order?
3: The eldest of two. I have a younger brother. Okay. Academic background? Miami-Dade Community College, South Campus. <laughs> who was your best teacher uh mrs navarro still friends with her um i love that lady she taught me uh never to procrastinate
0: <laughs> what was your first job
3: i was a tour guide and i still use i i use that in every single uh buyer tour i ever i ever did that's <laughs> a great background for real estate right? <laughs>
0: who was your best who was your best mentor Gino Bufari, our chairman. Good, good. Tell us about your current familial status.
3: Married to the same dude for 37 years. You know him well. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Three adult kids. Uh, and I, we're about to be grandparents of two uh, twin boys.
0: Oh, that's exciting. Congratulations.
3: Yeah. Where do you live and
0: what do you like best about your home?
3: South of Miami and what I love best about my home is the uh, the great it has a great room and I love that feeling of the great room and uh, all my kids and all my kids uh, friends are over that uh, call me mom and I just love that feel
0: <laughs> like that. what's your favorite vacation spot
3: Martha's Vineyard I swear that in my prior life I lived there oh I like that what's your morning routine it takes 20 minutes. I've talked about it a couple of times. It's called the mindset routine. Uh, and it starts with writing down seven gratitude thoughts, sharing it with your account of it, with your gratitude partner for that month. What's your biggest failure, best success? Biggest failure was trusting someone. Actually, ended up being, I think, my uh, uh, part of a great success, is how I ended up at this, uh, my current position. And my best success has to be uh, my marriage. Married my best friend. Any aspirational goals? Hmm. Uh, increasing participation into my mindset routine of my agents. I think uh, that's uh, something I, I, I have it on my weekly goal. So if I have an aspiration, it's increasing them to participate in that. And what's been your favorite part of quarantine? Interesting. I'll make it short. My daughter, eldest daughter and her husband were remodeling their home in February and we're living in our house. So we quarantined five adults into our house, but, uh, that was a favorite part. I, I, I think, uh, my son-in-law really got to know us, um, uh, in a beautiful way and, uh, just being able to uh, cook and have dinner with them every single night and, uh, Dinners became two- and three-hour sessions. I just loved it.
0: That's fun. Okay, and where can people reach you? What's the best way for them to connect?
3: Well, my cell phone, an old habit of being a a salesperson, right? 305-479-3144, but it's easy to Google me because there isn't any other ODY Sierra.
0: There you go. Okay, over to you, Mercy, to bring us home. Where were you born? Coconut Grove. Florida. what's your birth order <laughs> number one of two <laughs> you have a much younger sister
2: <laughs> much younger 10 years right? younger sister yes yes, yes my baby sister
0: academic <laughs> background
2: uh went to ransom and then university of miami
0: best teacher
2: uh dr bowden from ransom everglades he's
0: amazing he was amazing it's oh, a lot of people's favorite interesting to share yeah, that anyway. what was your first job First job ever was I was a
2: bus girl at Green Street Cafe after school.
0: <laughs> okay. My father wanted me to learn what,
2: what a tube of toothpaste would cost, as you would say.
0: <laughs> there you go. Who was your best mentor?
2: My dad, my mom, and then I have to also give it to you, Beth. I have three. Sorry, I'll I don't put, have one.
0: Oh, well, well, thank you, and thank you for including <laughs> me. Tell us about your current familial status.
2: Well, I, we're married. I mean, common law, I think after so many years and I still love them after quarantine. So I'll keep them.
0: (laughs) And you're a dog mom.
2: And we're, we have two fur babies, Uh, no kids, unfortunately. Um, But the dogs are like our
0: children. (laughs) Two adorable Frenchies. Uh, Where do you live and what do you like best about your home?
2: Well, clearly you guys can see I'm a coconut grove girl, so I never left the grove. So I'm still in the grove and I love my location.
0: <laughs> What's your favorite vacation spot?
2: The mountains, anywhere in the mountains. I love North Carolina where you're at, Beth. I love Colorado. I love to ski. So anywhere in the mountains, cause I am a Miami girl. So I want the opposite.
0: <laughs> there you go. What's your morning routine?
2: Uh, I get up around 5, 5.30 a.m. I get through emails for about an hour. I try to go take a walk these days between 6 and 7. And by 8 a.m. I'm eating and starting work.
0: Biggest failure, best success.
2: It's not a failure. I think the word is that I'm looking for is that it's a, it's a regret. Is I didn't spend enough time with my dad before he passed. And... I guess to caveat that the biggest success I had in my life is that I gave a kidney to my dad and kept him on the planet for another
0: 10 years. Very good. Nice. Very nice. Thank you. Do you have an aspirational goal? Keep learning. Um, keep good, be honest.
2: Um, I, I, my goals are (laughs) everything (laughs) and, uh, uh, keep teaching my agents how to see, you know, be good people and, (laughs) and be and stay out of trouble and, (laughs)
0: What's been your favorite part of what's been your favorite part of quarantine?
2: I mean I, I think like the other ladies you who know, said it's I'm cooking I mean I love to cook and this has really given me time to cook um, it's so much that I'm kind of getting done with the cooking but um, yeah I've been
0: able to cook so that's good. Okay and where can people connect with you?
2: Um, well I probably have the easiest cell phone in the world so it's 305 607 2600. And my email is mercedes at compass.com.
0: Thank you all so very much for joining us this afternoon and sharing your thoughts and wisdom. Again, just to kind of circle back to how I started. I've known these three ladies for a very long time. They represent the very best in the managing broker category in our city, and I feel honored and so very, so, so very grateful to know you all, have you all in my life, and thank you for sharing this From the Ground Up podcast with with me, which has been my aspiration. I've wanted to do a podcast forever. Now in the quarantine, I said, this is the time. So thank you all for joining me in, in some of my very first rounds and sharing your your experiences, your thoughts, and just by being nice people. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Beth.
0: Thank you, Beth. This episode of From the Ground Up was sponsored by Feather the Nest, the crowdfunding source for all of your real estate needs. Why register for silverware when you can start your way to owning or renting your own home? Please sign up for your nest at www. A special thanks to my extraordinary producer, Sohail Fezludin, who has made this podcast possible.